Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview. And welcome to this week's edition of the Artist Interview here on Hope FM. And I'm pleased to say we've got a wonderful band to bring to you, to introduce you really to, because you probably don't know very much about them. You will have heard a little bit of their music. If you listen to the new music update recently, uh, we played their song and we instantaneously liked it and gave it a big thumbs up. And it's a real honour to be having Lion and Bear with us on the show today. And that was Held By Your Love by Lion and Bear. Hey, Michael and uh, Drew, how you doing, guys? What's going on, man? Welcome to Hope FM. So so it's Michael Landingham and Drew Enos. Uh, and you guys are where, whereabouts in the States, are you? Yeah, I'm in, uh, I'm in San Diego now. And Michael is a bit inland. But yeah, Southern California, born and raised. Doesn't sound too bad at all. Nice and sunny at the moment, I guess. It's getting hot. Getting hot. Is it, I, it was 90 yesterday. Oh, wait a second. So that, that works for our older listeners when you say it's 90. What is it in Celsius? Ooh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've got no idea, and, and, and neither have I. But it, I have no clue, man. <laughs> is, is, it, is, is it shorts and T-shirt weather? Yes. 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 Okay, that's, that's sweet. Great. Okay, we're, we're just beginning to get there. We've had a lot of rain here in the UK, but it's just today is a, is a nice bit of sunshine. So hopefully things are, things are improving and summer is on the way, which would be great. I think everyone's looking forward to summer and getting out. So, so we just played Held By Your Love, which is actually a really beautiful track. And not just are the lyrics done. The lyrics are fairly simple. I think they're fairly simple, but they're really powerful and lovely. But musically, you guys, I don't know who it is. Are you both the same sort of music genius level? Because I love the little flourishes <laughs> you've got in there and the little sort of things that you don't necessarily expect that almost interrupt the flow, but in a good way, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, it- I think that has a lot to do with our producer, Chad Carruthers. Yeah. He is like the mastermind behind the production of these songs. And we got to, you know, co-produce with him. But I mean, he brought the magic for sure. <laughs> okay. And, and who is it both of you writing? Yes. Yes. That's good. There's agreement between yeah. the two of you that you are both doing it. I like that. So could have, could have, could have started a fight <laughs> yeah. straight away. Yeah, we've been writing together for about 10 years. Okay. So quite well well established, I think it would be fair to say then. It would be great to start off really just learning a little bit about your journey, uh, your journey with Jesus and your journey is how you got together uh, as a band as well and how, how that's looking. Um, so I don't know if Michael, do you, want, do you want to go first? Tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be a Christian and how that's influenced you. And then, and then Drew can fill in some of the blanks. So I grew up in the church family, uh, grew up in Vineyard Church, which is great. Um, and it really wasn't until about 14, 15, I really kind of woke up, owned my faith and met Jesus. And it was actually in San Diego where Andrew is at now at a place called City of Refuge and actually went really wanting just to go to, you know, have a good time and get a free vacation. Um, but we went to this homeless shelter down in San Diego um, and it turned my whole life around just being able to serve with the broken and, and see really just love displayed like true Jesus love on the streets. And that really affected me. So that's kind of where I got saved and gave my life to the yeah. Lord. Um, and then I had a desire just to do worship, do music and kind of pursued that from there on. But yeah, so that's just a little summed up version. And what about yourself, Drew? Yeah, kind of similarly grew up in the church um, at a very young age, kind of experienced a lot of hurt and kind of 
abuse and spiritual abuse um, from people in the church. And so by the time I was in high school, uh, I was sort of questioning a lot like church leadership and, and all kinds of things. Um, but at that time really had an encounter with Jesus in such a way that it was just undeniable, you know, like I, I understand that people are flawed, um, but I could never turn my back on Jesus because I knew that he hadn't turned his back on me. So yeah, kind of same thing in high school ish, um, started really leading worship and songwriting and uh, recording a bit and stuff. And that just led to a great passion to write music that um, hopefully reflects the heart of Jesus for anybody who's listening. Well, I can actually say for you, it does. I've, I've been reading your lyrics. It's absolutely great <laughs> stuff that you guys are re- uh, writing. Oh, thank you so much. Man. Beautiful to listen to, but the lyrics, I'm just thinking, man, they just reflect God's love. Um, so how did you get together then as a band? Yeah. So when I was at uh, a church, I was a senior in high school. I was just about to graduate. And um, this one Tuesday evening in came Michael Landingham, 15 years old. And <laughs> one of the guys at the, one of the guys at the church was like, you've got to hear this kid lead worship. He's got the greatest gift and anointing and voice ever. And, um, and they were right. I mean, he just, he was such a gift to us then. And uh, at that time we started writing music together and um, playing, you know, shows together and and things. And um, after I had known him for a couple of months, he actually played music at our wedding. I didn't really know him that well, but it was just like, oh man, I feel like this Michael guy is supposed to be involved. We were destined to be. (laughs) So, so, So how old were you when you were getting married then? 18. 18. Fresh 18. Same same age as my wife when we got married. So oh sweet. come on, That's yeah, it's awesome. great, mate. So okay, so so you were eighteen and you were fifteen playing at his wedding, and, and that, at that point you knew that there was something quite good about his skills. You started to actually then write together more seriously. I'm fifteen. You're still at oh, we would say you're still at school. I was actually no. I think at that point I was seven because we're a year apart, right? Year and a half. Uh yeah. So you were sixteen, I, I think. Like, yeah. Okay. He was just he was just pretending you were young but yeah okay <laughs> 16 and a half 17 sort of age bracket but the, but the two of you clicked really well musically you liked Shiver style you saw that there was some potential there so did you then straight away magically out the air get a recording contract yeah that would have been great yeah, the fir- actually the first time we got together we got signed <laughs> <laughs> if, only, if only things were so simple so so what what happened Plat- platinum platinum single right off the bat it was crazy <laughs> um yeah no actually it was quite a journey we so we had collaborated then. Um, Michael had been working on an EP. I played some bass on it. Um, we had written some songs, but nothing too serious. No, not at all. <laughs> until, yeah, until a few years later, we had a band together, never signed. We just recorded a little EP, played some local shows. And then um, we were on staff at the same church together, leading worship for years. And then... Um, our just our path split a little bit in terms of serving at different churches and stuff. And so that kind of put a pause on writing and, and collaborating together. Um, and we'll get more into it, but a huge part of our story is just hurt and loss, uh, devastation. And um, so when my wife and I experienced loss uh, about a year and a half ago, that kind of brought us back together to again, kind of write from this place of, hurt 
Um, but bringing that to God and just saying, this is all we have and just seeing what songs came from that. So that's really how Lion and Bear was birthed. But I will say from that point on, um, there was just this clear um, hand of God thing where everybody who was hearing the songs and looking at the process was just like, God has to be in this because within a couple months of being a band, we signed with BEC records and the whole album just flowed so naturally working with our producer. He's like, I've never seen anything like this happen for a first record where God's hand is just so clearly on it. And so um, we're just humbled to be a part of it at this point, just knowing that he has a desire to do something through it. Yeah. So we're just kind of riding that wave. Wow. That's, that is, that is great. And that is very quick by the sounds of things when you actually started coming back together. Um, Mike, was there anything you wanted to add at this point into that process in the story? Yeah, I know for me, starting this band, like we needed it. I needed this band. You know, Andrew and I, we walked through all these things together and, you know, being apart, like Andrew was saying, and then just coming to this place, like, what do we do now? We need an outlet, like, you know, both in full-time ministry and there's such a demand in ministry. You know, you're there to minister and to help people and you don't get a lot of time for yourself, you know? So we both were like, well, let's start this band, you know, and started singing these raw, just everything from our hearts, you know? Um, so I really believe like, first and foremost, this band was made for us. Like God gave us this band, you know, to uh, get emotional already. <laughs> but I know these songs, you know, even in times where I don't really believe them, to be honest with you, there's words I sing in these songs. And I'm like, man, it challenges me, you know? And it causes me to go, God, are you who you say you are in your word and who people, you know, said for you to be, I need to believe it, you know, and kind of wrestling with God, like Jacob, you know, like <laughs> knock my hip out, man, give me a limp. Like I want to know, you know, and, but these songs, like, even when I feel that way, I'll listen to them. And it brings me back to that moment where I, you know, wrote it, you know, or we wrote it together and how just God was in the room. And I can't deny that. Uh, this part of me is almost nervous to ask the questions but i think it's important that we if you're happy to explore exactly what's gone on because clearly you guys both sound like you've been through in the uk we'd say through the ringer um where things have been yeah or so you might say the fire um so uh, guys who who would like to start go for it drew <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean michael and i just being you know best friends throughout the years um in 2015, um, my wife was pregnant with identical twins and Michael's wife was pregnant with identical twins. And they, um, my girls were born and they were born, you know, pretty premature, 34 weeks and in the NICU for a while. And then um, just a couple months later, um, Michael's sons were born and they were born very premature, like 24 weeks. Um, they lived for a few days. Um, and the, the doctors, I mean, seeming really hopeful, like they were just right on that cusp of making it or not. And that just the turmoil that that creates um, internally wrestling with God and things that people say about God. And um, that was kind of the real, you know, first experience with loss that um, our family that Michael had gone through. And I think that all that just, it really hit us like a ton of bricks, you know, um, 
just kind of being worship leaders, being in the church culture for so long and having no idea what to do with this lament, having no idea what to do with this heartbreak and these questions. And so that really kind of began this um, pattern, I think, of writing from that place and acknowledging we're not the only ones who have experienced hurt, you know? And so at that time we were on staff at the same church together. We started writing songs from that place uh, for the church worship songs and they were really impactful. People connected with them because they were kind of more real and raw just out of that season. And then um, fast forwarding a few years, um, Michael's sister, Sarah, um, she passed from breast cancer and that was just another level of pain that you just can't prepare for. You know, there's no, like, she's so young and uh, just beautiful family and just all the questions, like watching people you love not be here anymore. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to us. Um, and then shortly after that, I'm just kind of giving the very like brief, you know, version of all this. But, um Shortly after that, my wife was pregnant with our sixth child, um, and it was uh, a son, uh, a son named Cove, and we, um, yeah, they they found out that at some point his heart had stopped beating, you know, and so my wife just delivering our our lifeless son um and again just hit with that reality like there's nothing pastorally like I've, I've been able to counsel so many people through difficult times and um in all of these scenarios there's just i'm just at a loss you know like how do you how do you try to prepare for something like that um it's just different when you actually are, are walking through it with your wife and seeing people you love suffer and so um yeah right after that loss actually kind of full circle um a couple days after our son passed michael sent me um a little voice memo of the first verse and chorus of held by your love and at the end of it he's just weeping and kind of falling apart like this this kind of just brought up it unearthed some of the pain that that he had walked through and he he could resonate with where we were at because he had walked through something so horrific. Um, I can't even imagine what he had been through, but he writes from this place, this, you know, verse and chorus that were so healing to my heart and to my wife in that moment. And so finishing that song held by your love and then having it be our first single was just so like monumental for us because um, there are lyrics throughout that song that just, it's like specific memories attached to them. So every time I sing it, every time we sing it together, there are just certain words that are almost like triggers where it's like so emotional. Um, but I know that it's so healing at the same time. So even the very first line when sorrow comes like a storm. Yeah. I guess that speaks volumes of what you've been through. And I'm sure as you're sharing the story, there's going to be many people who can relate to perhaps some element of it, but it certainly sounds like, uh, the phrase we would use maybe is more than your fair share, yeah. more than your fair share of tragedy, loss, and sadness. How's the how's the process of grieving and turning it back to Jesus? Is, has it been the music's been a key thing for you, or has there been other things that have helped pastorally within that? 
I would say, yeah, for me, definitely has been the music has been like, because I feel you go through all these things and it kind of shatters your whole world, you know, Um, sometimes to the core of what you believe. And I've I've, even in my own grieving process, just being real, like just reevaluating how my walk is with Jesus, you know, and just really understanding, are you who you say you are, you know? And he proves that to me and, you know, but it's a process and I, I'm stubborn <laughs> and I'm not a perfect man. And I, I, you know, kick back and, you know, fight back, but I'm learning through that grieving process. And these songs have definitely have, you know, kind of held me together with it, <laughs> which has been amazing. Yeah. I would say since starting this band and writing these songs, life hasn't gotten easier you know, um, there have been more storms, more difficulties, um, family, you know, issues and, and just all kinds of things that that could bring us right back to that place of of hurt and pain. But um, kind of going back to Lion and Bear and, and the place that that came from, um, you know, David, as a psalmist, one of the psalmists, um, he encompassed so well the the tension of lament and praise together intertwined in psalms uh they're they're often not either or they're mostly both and you know where david is like god where are you god defeat my enemies god why have you you know forsaken me and then in the end it's like but your steadfast love endures forever and um and so writing from that place for us, uh, even the, the name Lion and Bear, it comes from, you know, in Samuel, David standing before Goliath. And um, he says, the God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And it's a reminder that in the secret place, David learned that God was his defender. He delivered him from the paw of the lion and the bear. And so he had this confidence from the secret place that led him to face this giant. And so for us, it's just this kind of um, constant reminder that, that the strength of God has allowed for us to persevere through such tragedy and whatever giants we continue to face we have to depend on the strength of God because we just, we can't do it alone, you know? And so um, I would say, you know, with this, with this project, with this band, there's a huge heart to love those who are far from Jesus, those who don't know Jesus, those who have been hurt by the church or are deconstructing or whatever, because I think the reality is that sometimes we, we hear things about God um, we hear things about his character and sometimes they're, they're only partial truths and we have to actually know who he is for ourselves. That's why David in Psalm 103, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. And in Psalm 103, he goes back to Exodus 34, where God says of himself, this is who I am to Moses, Yahweh, Yahweh. He's compassionate. He's got love for generations and he's forgiving of our iniquities. He, so David has to go back to what God said about himself and not what others said about God as he reminds his soul of the goodness of God. And I think that's so important for us um, as we write these songs, as we love people 
who are inside of church and outside of church, um, just to actually show them the heart of Jesus. Uh, it's easy to say words about Jesus, um, but it's a different thing to actually go and and love the brokenhearted and to be near to them the way that God is. And so that's kind of um, the driving force behind a lot of our writing is just to meet people where they're at and they're suffering the way that we've been met. I've got to say, I'm I'm genuinely so sorry that you've been through this suffering, but uh, your music, I am genuinely encouraged about the light and the love that you share for it because it's a testament to the work that God's doing within you, mm. but also of your ministry and your heart that other people will meet him in the same way and know his comfort and his love in the midst of loss. Mm. So the, the guys, thank you thank you very much please carry on being uh, who you are just honest and open and truthful about stuff that really sucks mm -hmm. and yet in the middle of it god is still good and glorious um and i think the, the lyrics that you write um a testament to just the direction that you're keeping your eyes looking so the the next track that we've got from you is called the reason um yeah. and actually it was the track that we played uh, on new music that made us go you know what we want to connect with these guys because they got something good to share uh we loved it so tell us about the reason what, what what's what's it all about how did it come about yeah um going into this global pandemic was so wild i mean um i know globally for sure um from the perspective of somebody i guess in the church in America, there was so much division politically. Um, there was so much um, looking around at what was happening in the world and not a lot of hope being spoken out, at least not in my, you know, inner circle or whatever, the people that I was talking to, it just seemed so hopeless. And, um, and so I sat down one day with the guitar and I was, uh, I think I was listening to the 1975 or something. And I, I just started playing this little riff on the, the electric and I made this little demo. Um, and I didn't think that it would go anywhere. I really didn't, you know, anticipate that it would turn into a song on a record, but we just um, sent it to the label. And really it's, it's just the simple truth of that, that even when everything around us is falling to pieces, we've still got a reason to to sing. And that goes back to just, Jesus and who he is and who he has been to us. And that no matter how difficult things um, get in life, um, no matter how much division there is, no matter how uh, terrible things appear to be when we turn on the news, that um, we can look up to the hills. We can look up to the place where our hope comes from and have a reason to sing, even when nothing else can keep us together. And that was The Reason by Lion and Bear. And I'm very pleased to say that Michael Landingham and Drew Enos from Lion and Bear are with us on Hope FM for the artist interview. Guys, you have shared so vulnerably and honestly from your heart. And I'm really grateful. And I know that numbers of our listeners will be um, relating to some of the stories and things you've gone through, perhaps not to the same scale, but 
maybe very similar things as well. It would be wonderful, actually, if one of you were happy just right now to pray for the listeners, for God to come and intervene in the situations they find themselves in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Uh, Yeah, Father, I thank you that you truly are near to the brokenhearted. God, I thank you that in moments of uncertainty, when the world seems to be in complete disarray, that you are the one who holds us together. God, I thank you for your spirit, um, the pneuma, the breath in our lungs. God, that you are closer truly than a brother. You're closer than a friend. You're, you're closer than um, the air that we're breathing now. And we can't even understand, we can't fathom how the God of all creation is mindful of us, yet you are, and you have good plans for us. And just in this moment, um, I want to acknowledge those who are walking through painful situations. For those who have lost somebody that they love or are about to lose somebody that they love. For those who have lost their jobs. For those who have been sexually abused and have been afraid to talk about it. Um, for those who just feel like outcasts, like they don't belong anywhere. They feel rejected. And um, God, I just, I ask in this moment by the power of your spirit that you would just reveal in such a tangible, real way, your love for those who are hurting. Um, God, that they would just see the, the way that you see them, they, they are your children and that you are wildly in love with your children. God, I thank you that your arms are the safest place for us to run to. Um, I just always think about my own children when they get hurt, how I love the way that they instinctively run to the arms of their father and their mother. And that's who you are to us, the arms that are safe to run to. And sometimes that's messy. We don't run to you perfectly. We don't run to you in the cleanest way possible. Um, But the key is that we run to you. So Lord, I pray that we would learn to take our hurt to you take our questions to you, take our frustrations to you, just like the psalmist, that we would live in that tension of lament and praise, but the key is always bringing it to you. So Lord, would you refresh right now? Would you instill joy and peace uh, to those who can't seem to find it? Lord, I pray that those who are driving right now, even as they reach their destination, um, that it would be noticeable on their countenance that they have had an experience with the spirit of the living God. Um, So do the work that only you can do in hearts and minds and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much, Drew. Michael, did you want to pray as well? Uh, I think he covered it. <laughs> I, I think he did, Drew. That was absolutely lovely. Really appreciate it. I would. I could have topped that. No, uh, I, I. I didn't have another prayer after that prayer. It's great. So, um, quick. I do have a quick question. Uh, earlier on in the section one, you talked about uh, abuse and spiritual abuse, and we didn't unpack that at all. Yeah. And I didn't know. Did you want to unpack that? I just. It just. I just thought. Well, you know what? We. I've left it, and I wonder whether or not maybe for some listeners it might be useful because. I don't know what it is, uh, I suppose, um, from your from your perspective. If you're happy to, would you be willing just to share a little bit of what happened to you? Yes, absolutely. Um, funny enough, it started when I was four years old. 
Uh, I walked out of my bedroom and I told my parents, God told me I'm going to be a pastor when I grow up. And, you know, at the time they weren't necessarily like God told us this or that, you know, types of people. And so it was quite odd um, that I would say that. And they were like, okay, all right, we'll see, you know? Um, And the way I explain it now is that even at that age, I believe that God was instilling in me a desire to love people, to shepherd people, and really a love for his bride, you know, for the church. Um, And at that very moment, the devil began to try to derail that calling, that desire. And the way that that happened was, um, you know, at four years old, my parents and I, we went to um, a pastor's house for dinner. And that evening, his 13-year-old son molested me. Um, and the way that that was kind of handled in the church from the senior pastor and everything was just sort of brushed under the the rug. There was no real resolution. And so from that age, um, it kind of led to a lot of questions, you know, um, and then it led to sexual sin, you know, I mean, I remember from, you know, seven to nine years old, like engaging and looking things that I shouldn't have and and doing things I shouldn't have sexually and um, just a lot of questions and things that, that stemmed from that. And all the while, this kind of underlying hurt um, at the thought that there was no one to defend me, that a pastor of a church, the thing, the very thing that I felt God was calling me to, um, that they weren't really shepherding me at all. I was kind of just a bystander in this process. And um, so anyway, that fast forwarding to junior high. Um, so what, what age is junior high? Oh, yes. Sorry. Um, when I was 11 years old, 11 and 12. Yeah. 11 to 12. We kind of moved away from uh, where I had grown up until that point. And we started attending a very large church. And that uh, the pastor of that church just had a very unusual um, disdain for me. I don't know. We It led to moments where he was physically threatening me, taking me out to his vehicle and showing me automatic weapons, uh, taking me to his office, showing me his sword um, on the wall and just like wanting to it all revolved around this girl that I said was pretty. And I was a very introverted uh, and nerdy (laughs) child. You know, Uh, I was not, I I was not about to pursue this girl. I just, I made comments about her being pretty and that kind of led to this pastor just treating me in very bizarre ways. Um, There's a moment just grabbing my arms on multiple occasions, shaking me and leaving bruises on my arms saying, this is not normal for a boy to, you know, talk to a girl like this or whatever. And so at that age of 12 years old, um, seeing the pastor of this church treating me like this and publicly, you know, at first it was in secret, it was in offices and it was these places. And and then um, eventually kind of the, the moment that it exploded was in the foyer in front of everybody. And this accusation that he had completely made up, um, he said that I was staring at this girl through a window and it turns out she wasn't even in the room. He was accusing me of looking at her, um, in. And, um, so that just led to devastation. Like I, I was in the youth group. I stopped going to the youth group. I felt like an outcast. I feel like I, I didn't belong anymore. 
felt like nobody cared, you know, from that moment on when I left, nobody from the youth group pursued me um, in any kind of way that would bring me back. No one was my advocate, you know, it's kind of going all the way back to these things that I felt at a young age. And somehow it all went back to this pastoral calling. And even at that point, um, getting into, you know, like 14 years old or whatever, still kind of really hurt. And I, I was holding on to the hope that like, yeah, maybe I'll be a pastor one day. Um, but then eventually it was like, if a pastor means abusing people and taking advantage of them and leveraging your platform to hurt people, then I don't want anything to do with it, you know? And um, I praise God at that point, my parents, uh, we were in Orange County in California and my parents had started going to this other church and they said, you have to go to this church and hear this pastor preach. He's teaching four chapters out of the book of John and it's going to be so life-giving for you. And I remember just like, yeah, whatever, you know, I mean, I'm a kid in junior high. I don't want to listen to this boring pastor teach for, you know, an hour or whatever. And I remember going that evening and I'm just going to give him a shout out. Not that he's listening from America, maybe, but uh, the pastor is Dave Rolf. And he, man, he taught, he taught that night four chapters of John and I was so enthralled and I felt like my soul was just receiving nourishment that I had been deprived of for ages. And in that moment, um, I felt the the spirit of God prompt me to talk to this man. Like you need to reach out and ask him if you can talk to him, which was totally out of character for me. I wouldn't just ask a pastor if I could meet with him, especially not at that point where I just thought every pastor was going to hurt me. Um, and he took the time we met up and he listened to my story. Not only did he listen to my story, but he actually brought about um, some really significant resolution to the whole issue at the church. And uh, it's a very, very long story, but um, that was the first time in my life up until that point that I looked at a pastor and thought, this is someone who is coming to my defense in the way that Jesus would. This is somebody who is actually shepherding me through it. And I would say at that moment, God began to restore my trust in him first and foremost, and then also just to acknowledge that not all pastors are bad, not all, you know, church leadership has the intent to hurt people. Um, but to bring that into kind of contemporary terms, I know that there are loads of people right now kind of deconstructing because of church hurt, because there have been people who have misrepresented the heart of God to them. And I resonate with that so much. And uh, that's kind of one of my goals also in this project is to love those people and to, to point them back to, yeah, but what about Jesus? Because he really is never the one who hurts us. And if we're ever hurt by a church or leadership in the church, then um, it's because of a misrepresentation of his character and who he is. So sometimes it's relearning who he is and um and letting our walls down to let in the right people who are going like Dave Rolf to speak in truth and to be our advocate the way that, that Jesus is. Wow. I, I, I don't know how to even begin to respond to that except to say how beautiful it is that with all of that horrendous baggage and pain and fully on sale mistrust, 
you actually just that your parents invited you and you went and you heard truth and life and the spirit came and just yeah started a process and and well to, well done to that pastor for doing exactly what Jesus would have him do and to love you and to help you and to take you back to to Jesus again um, yeah. that is wonderful it's a, it's a great story and i guess one of the things is it doesn't matter who we are or where we've been or what has happened to us Jesus always wants to bring us back and reveal more of his love and more of his truth yeah. and more of who he is and more of his good plans for us as well. And there's always, always uh, the opportunity to change the situation, to turn around from the direction we're heading uh, and to re-engage and find out more of his greatness and his goodness and his unfailing yeah. love that overflows. Drew, I'm so I'm so glad that you encountered it and I'm so grateful for you sharing even the stuff that's just awful to have heard. It's wonderful to hear what God did at the end of it. Um, and thank you for your passion and your heart to to reach out and engage other people who might be so hurt by the church, so turned off Jesus by the way that sometimes we yeah. just get things wrong and we, we're all flawed, we all make mistakes. But I'm sure many of our listeners hearing that he showed you automatic weapons. We're going to be, uh, we're English, you know, you, you don't have automatic <laughs> weapons. You're going, what? This is crazy. Yes, it was wild. Well, crazy Americans. That is that is crazy scary and all the other stuff as well. But uh, it's, I guess it's been a journey for you. Um, would you say that actually that's also been something that's fed into the way that, that you minister now with regards to when you're leading worship and when you're talking to people as well afterwards? Do, does it give you a... A different perspective perhaps on things yes absolutely you know i i think that there are giftings uh that people have in the church and i love leading worship i love teaching preaching um but nothing for me really compares to moments when people have said you know you you were the first person that said hello to me and you made me feel welcome and you made me feel seen and those little things just one-on-one -on -one conversations um, those are more of an affirmation of what God spoke to my heart when I was four years old than any gifting in large capacity. Uh, I love all those things. I love, you know, all of the the stuff that I get to do within the church. Um, but really just having those conversations to, to shepherd people, um, even back to just the heart of Jesus and the way that he sees them. Um, that's definitely the thing that I'm most passionate about. I think at the end of my life, I could do without people saying he was the best preacher or writer or, you know, uh, worship leader or whatever. Um, but if at the end of my life, people said he loved me the way that Jesus did, then that's, that's enough. Amen. Amen. That sounds brilliant place to, to be. Drew, thanks very much, mate. I really appreciate it. Cool. Dear, you guys, I said the ringer before, but this is this is the super awful ringer for you to have been through. I'm so sure. <laughs> oh, we know. <laughs> no. Okay, so let's find out a little bit about what's going to be happening going forwards with the band and your plans maybe for, for the next 12 months. Michael, what's what's going on? World domination. Oh, well, that, that is a good good idea. I like I like it. It's <laughs> important to have a strategy. Lion and bear, I'm pretty sure that you're beginning your conquering of the UK right now. Yes. So, yeah, we're, take, we're taking over the UK. We're starting with you guys because you're awesome. And we love, honestly, like we were supposed, like Andrew said, we we're supposed to go to Creation Fest, what, 2000? 20. Is that 20? Yeah. 
Yeah. 2020 Creation Fest. Yep. And I, dude, and I haven't, I actually haven't traveled internationally before. Well, never. So that was going to be my first international trip. And I was so excited. I'm, I'm mostly Welsh. That's, that's, so no, that's good. I can, I I can see that. Wales. So we actually, <laughs> we actually had plane tickets. So we had tickets and everything. Yeah, we had plane tickets. We had a little like mini tour set. We were going to Scotland. There was a thing in Ireland. Um, yeah. And so we we really are so excited to travel back there and to play some shows. I'm still bitter about that. But <laughs> did, you get, did you get a refund on the tickets, I guess? Yeah, we did. Then we went to Nashville. <laughs> Okay. Well, Nashville's nice. I, I am looking forward to going to Nashville at some point, but I will, I'll probably go into Creation Fest before you guys at this rate, I suspect. So it, it is on the yeah. summer. So uh, hopefully that should be great. So, okay. So, so, you, so you had that book, you, you, it got canceled. Yeah. You went to Nashville instead. So what happened in Nashville? Uh, oh man, just lots of stuff for the album and doing PR. I think we we're wrapping up the album, right? Mm-hmm. Which like you, your first question, but you know, moving forward, we have a few things. Uh, can we share all of them? Drew? Yeah, share them. <laughs> I don't know if our label's listening. We can, okay. Because, yeah, that's right. We actually just put them out on our social media like yesterday. But we have a full-length album, 11 songs, coming out June 25th. 5th. Okay, I was going to say 2nd. So June 25th, we have our full-length 11-song album out. And then also one of the songs is going to be going to major radio. Same day, Drew? Yeah. Yep. So, and that song is called Cling, and that's the title track. So, yeah, we're excited just to really to release these songs, you know. And then we're hoping to play shows and as things open up with COVID. And, you know, we really wanted to get out there, you know, share our hearts with people, meet people. That's our passion for sure. Yeah. What do you want to add, Drew? I mean, for a band that, you know, we signed with the label in February of 2020. And so right before everything was shut down. So we've recorded most of this album remotely. Uh, We've done vocals and then sent it over to our producer and he's done most of the music. And then some of the songs we've gone over and done vocals there and some tracking and stuff in Nashville. Um, But to see it kind of fully come to fruition, June 25th, our album Hollows, uh, comes out like you said the song cling uh, we had the opportunity to work with a really awesome producer named brian fowler um, for this song and it's a, a co-written song with him and another producer michael or micah kuiper and then um, austin french co-wrote on it as well so we we've got a really um, awesome song being released to radio on that day as well that is a, that is a coincidence because actually Austin French was on the Austin's View just before you guys. So what's the chance of that? No way. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely guy. Really lovely guy. So um, he's great. He he is. But you're, so so how many tracks, say, was it 12 tracks? 11. This one goes to 11. (laughs) And do both of you have the same favorite track or do you differ from time to time? Oh, man. It's hard. I, I personally, at least right now, I'm really digging the song You Won't Let Me Go, which is on there. And I can't wait for people to hear that one. Yeah. um, Because of what it means to us, Held By Your Love is kind of always a favorite. Um, But there's a song that Michael sings called Wherever I Go. And for some reason, that I think that's the last song on the record. That is Um, your favorite. But it's just the production of it. It's so clean. His voice is amazing. The content is just all so great. Oh, stop. I can't wait for people to hear it. (laughs) I I am excited about hearing it. So um, so that's, that's a... 
it's really it's, it's gonna be a real treat i'm absolutely sure so, and i'm sure we're going to be playing and numbers of the tracks here on hope fm as well so if, uh, we're if, honored man if people want to connect with you uh where should they go social website what, 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 what's the deal yeah i think social media is the best uh instagram we're on that a lot it's just at lion and bear band um, and yeah, we're just, you know, one of the, the goals for us as a band is just to be accessible and relational. Um, and part of the way that we do that is just by engaging the online audience through social media. So, And does it mean that this, this year, though, touring around America, you're not going to make it over to the UK at all? I, to be honest, I wouldn't come if I were you anyway. I'd, I would hold on and just wait to see what happens before making any dates this side yeah. of the pond. But um yeah. Obviously, you were you were going to Creation Fest. How did you find out about Creation Fest then? Uh, wow, it's kind of a long story. But my my <laughs> wife and I, um, we were really considering moving out to England uh, to church plant or to be a part of a ministry. And so, um, one of my pastor friends connected us with Sarah Yardley, who leads Creation Fest, and uh, we were considering going out to Cornwall and uh, just being a part of the ministry there. Um, but instead, I started seminary in the States, um, kind of with the goal of completing seminary and then going out to UK, if that's still what God had. Um, and while I was there, God kind of opened the door for us to come to San Diego. So right now, um, yeah, right now we're in San Diego and kind of being trained up for future church plants. Um, but yeah, that's how we got connected with Sarah. Uh, she's incredible. And I, I was able to make it out in 2019 uh, to Creation Fest. And it was just so beautiful. Wonderful. So for anyone listening, Creation Fest this year is 30th July to the 1st of August 2021. And that's at the Royal Cornwall uh, Event Centre in Wadebridge. And the website is creationfest.org.uk. Little plug for Creation Fest right there because it's a worthwhile thing to go to. So, okay. Yeah. Um, but Michael, you've never been to the UK. Nope. Nope. Shakes his head with disappointment. I'm so sorry. But, but we look forward to that being rectified at some point. I love it, man. It's been a dream. I want to see Big Ben. Yeah, before before we take it down and sell it to the Japanese. Oh, that's right. Oh, why <laughs> no, no, we're not. We've been repairing it. It's had lots of scaffolding all around it. It's not it's not actually being taken down. That would be very oh, terrible. Okay. Oh man, I was like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> when is it supposed to be finished? I don't know, which is funny because I am technically a Londoner and I should know and I should be very passionate about it. But um, oh, I'm now, I'm now on the coast and I can't see it from here. So I'm not too worried. And, and I'm, I'm not going back there anytime <laughs> in the immediate six months. So, but uh, it is it is one of it's worth going on the London Eye and you get an absolutely beautiful view over the river uh, and over to Big Ben. Yeah. I recommend it. So great. Uh, yeah, Michael. I mean, Michael's never had real fish and chips. Oh, and I love fish and chips, bro. He's never been to a pub, never had English yeah. ale. You, you, know, got, you got a lot to learn, my friend, and a lot to live. So I do, and, man. And you definitely need to make sure when you come, you've got to come to Bournemouth and we'll make sure we uh we set up a, a gig for you somewhere. So it would be it would be great. Right. Right. Is there a carvery in Bournemouth? Any specific one? The answer is yeah, there's plenty of different carveries so we could, we could find something yes. although it won't be the same scale as you would have in in, in america and to be honest with you having eaten american portions i've got to say a carvery in america you you do get a, a good size thing whereas we're a little bit more dainty with our servings <laughs> oh, in the uk when it comes to that yeah stuff. but gordon that's why you don't look like us here in the states uh 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, this quarantine has not been good to our dad bots. Well, so. well, I'm glad you're saying it, not me, because I could get in a lot of trouble. What do you say, Michael? What do you call it? Oh, a father figure. Father figure. That's very good. I don't have a dad bot. I have a father yeah. figure. Yes. So I, I, I suspect that um, even even the UK male population will probably, largely speaking, admit that generally lockdown has had the same effect for us as well. So uh, for the first few <laughs> weeks, everyone was going, going to exercise, going to do a lot of things. I'm going to become really fit. And then after a few weeks, everyone said, oh, wait a sec. Oh, I found Netflix. It's got box sets. Oh, okay. And and that was the end of that for lots of people. So yeah. now before we talk too long, we've got one more track to, to play from you guys. And the track is called Stillness and it is just beautiful. Who would like to introduce that? Go for it, Michael. Man, Stillness. I would say this probably is my favorite track and means a lot to me. Um, I remember when Andrew sent me this track this was like man was this right when we got signed yeah we started yeah and he just sent me the idea and i remember i was dealing with a lot like honestly i was depressed was just like not knowing where to go at this moment you know feeling alone and he sent this song to me and it just hit me in the greatest way possible at like i was literally at the darkest moment of my life where i'm like i don't know if i'm gonna continue living and he sent the song to me and I listened and just started weeping and just knew like, I don't know, just even the words, there is nothing I can't do when I'm resting in the stillness. And like, I felt just the stillness of God's presence in that moment, you know, I was, I was in my car driving and it's just, yeah, it's just such an important song to this album and resonates with me so much. So I hope people get super blessed and can rest in the stillness as they listen to it. And that was Stillness by Lion and Bear. And you can hear that interview again and other interviews by going along to hopefm.com forward slash the artist interview. And I just want to say thank you so much to Michael Landrigan and Drew Enos for their time today, just sharing some really deep stuff, some really disturbing stuff, but also more and more of God's love and his great plans for us. And I'm sure we're going to hear more of their music in the weeks and months to come. God bless you. Bye-bye. Get more interviews now. Visit hopefm.com forward slash the artist interview.